Well, whether you're in the parking lot or you're listening online later uh, or CD, whatever, we want to extend a welcome. And uh, uh, Judy and I were gone, actually uh, absent three Sundays. Only one was planned. Um, two, two had to do with COVID. Um, I, I actually had it. There are a lot better ways to lose 10 pounds than with COVID, just so you know. But got over it just about time for us to head out of town on a planned vacation day uh, weekend uh, to spend Thanksgiving with our family, uh, our daughters in, in Nashville. So we were there last weekend. I, re, I Just so you know, I got my appetite back just in time for Thanksgiving Day. So, you know, God is good. God, God took, takes care of us. So I know we, we tend, to, um, tend to make light of some of this. There are a lot of people suffering right now. So let's continue in prayer uh, for those that are dealing with uh, these kinds of issues. We're always glad to be back. I always, I always, um, when we're gone this long, I always check the website to make sure I'm still the pastor before I come back and make sure my, my key works. And it, it did. So anyway, thank you. I want to thank Pastor Josh and Scott for filling in uh, during this time and um, did a great job. In the year 1492, a man said, I'm going to sail across the sea and discover a new world. He was told, that's impossible. You'll fall off the edge of the earth. His reply, nothing is impossible. His name, Christopher Columbus. In the year 1876, a man said, I'm going to make a device that I will speak into, and what I say will travel over Hundreds of miles of copper wires, and someone on the other end will hear what I said. The reply, that's impossible. It's never been done before. His reply, nothing. Nothing is impossible. His name, Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone. And some of you don't know that that's what came before the cell phone. In 1894, an inventor said, I've invented a carriage that will go forward by itself without horses to pull it. That's impossible, everyone said. His reply, nothing is impossible. His name, Carl Benz, the inventor of the automobile. And in 1903, two brothers said, in this machine, we'll be able to fulfill man's greatest desire, the desire to fly. The reply, that's impossible. If man was meant to fly, he would have been born with wings. Their reply, nothing is impossible. Who are these brothers? The Wright brothers, the inventor of the first airplane. Nothing, nothing is impossible. Throughout history, time after time, men and women have rolled back the curtain of the impossible and in the face of skeptics proved that nothing is impossible. As we close out 2020 and approach the new year 2021, I want to talk about one part of the Christmas story that talks about nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Today we're going to eavesdrop on an intimate encounter to listen to a private conversation between two persons, a teenage Jewish girl and an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel brings a troubling prospect of being pregnant while not married, but only engaged. Who? is going to believe the best here. I want us to join them and discover why the angel Gabriel says, nothing is impossible with God. Let's turn to Luke 1. 
Luke, the first chapter, it's on page 830 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Luke 1, we're going to read verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This part of the Christmas story disturbs many people. How can a virgin conceive and have a baby? Well, as scientists have made advances in understanding of the human processes, they've, they've actually reached the point that humans can not only practice artificial insemination, but even clone some species. And if human scientists can do that much, why would it be beyond the stretch of our imagination that the intelligent designer or creator who started it all could not intervene in the natural process in a supernatural way. But this message is not intended to be an apologetic or a defense of the scientific probability of the virgin birth. Lots of people have written about that. I want to look today about how God took an ordinary teenage Jewish girl and did the impossible. The impossible. And then, if God can do the impossible through someone like Mary, can he do something through me? Or am I valuable enough to God that he cares to use me for anything special? As we look at this story, don't ask, what can God do for me? Ask, what can God do through me? The impossible was accomplished not through human ingenuity or invention, it was not through hard work or scientific research or experimentation. God did what he so often does. He takes the ordinary and does the extraordinary. God does this through Mary for the benefit of other people. I want to look at six keys to the impossible today and see what we can learn. Six keys to the impossible. The first one is bring your ordinary to God. Bring your ordinary to God. Mary was ordinary, a young Jewish teenager, a woman engaged to be married, just like many of her friends. Mary did not have supernatural power on her own. She was not a superhero. 
Her specialness did not come from within herself. Her specialness came as a result of someone outside of herself. It was God. It was God who gave her value. It was God who made her special. In verse 28, it says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. I have a friend who likes to restore antique cars. And he called me one day and told me he was driving to Pennsylvania and back to pick up an antique car called a Morgan. We were in Iowa at that time. In Iowa and Pennsylvania, a long ways apart. And I thought, wow, he must, he must place a lot of value on this car. It must be very special. He got back into town, and he invited me over to see this incredible antique car that he purchased. And I was absolutely shocked. It was a pile of rusty pieces of junk. That's all I could see. And I said, you drove to Pennsylvania for that? Are you kidding me? I saw absolutely no value in all those pieces of junk, but he did. He did. He saw what it could become. Slowly, over a three-year period, it was a long period, he rebuilt that car, and finally, after all this time had passed, he invited me to come over again to see this antique car. I walked into his garage, and in dramatic fashion, he pulled the cover off And he unveiled a beautiful, bright red convertible sports car, a Morgan. It was a classic. Amazing. Well, Mary, in our story, in and of herself, may not have felt very special. Her unique value came from the fact that God valued her. God was with her. And it was in her unique relationship with God that Mary discovered her uniqueness and her value and her purpose. You may be here this morning and feel like Mary, or you may feel like that original Morgan, a pile of rusty pieces of junk. No value beyond ordinary, just kind of worthless. But know this, God values you exactly as you are, and God sees you as what you can become. No matter how junked up your life is right now, God values you and knows what you can be. God asks us to bring him our lives, our our pain, our our brokenness, our failures, our embarrassments, our rusty, junk-filled lives. So, he can do something special. Something impossible. Impossible. The first step in nothing is impossible is to bring our ordinary to God who values us just as we are and then discover in relationship with God our uniqueness, our value, and our specialness. Maybe one day you'll drive away a beautiful red sports car. Who knows? Mary was ordinary. We are ordinary. God does the impossible through the ordinary. The second key to the impossible, the second key is establish and keep a right relationship with God. Establish and keep a right relationship with God. He said, the Lord is with you. Now, Mary had an open, unhindered relationship with God. She was a a clean vessel, a pure instrument. She was righteous, which means in right relationship with God. Not perfect, 
not perfect. If we have to be perfect, none of us can experience or expect God's impossible. Working my way through college, like many of you, I had some various jobs. One of my jobs was an orderly. And one task I had as an orderly was to operate a sterilizer machine. Medical instruments would be washed and cleaned, but before they could be reused and cleaned, they had to be wrapped in sterile cloths and put in a sterilizer and heat them to such a high temperature to kill anything that was alive there, germs or organisms. A surgeon in a hospital will only use sterile instruments. If the instruments aren't sterilized, they can cause contamination, disease, and infection. Well, in that same way, God will not use unclean instruments either. He wants to do the impossible, but he needs clean vessels. God wants to remove the impurities and obstacles to relationship with God. In other words, we need to, if we want to be used of God, be in right relationship with God. And the question is, are we clean instruments God can use, or are we polluted by the world around us? And I'm not saying perfect, okay? But there is a cleaning process or a sterilization process that God uses. Because we have to say, well, what happens if I mess up? What happens if I sin? Or when I sin, because we're all going to sin sooner or later. Can God use me if I sin or if I'm a sinner? Well, I hope so, because we're, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all sin daily. How do we get clean so God can use us? This is a very important concept. In 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That starts out, it basically says, we're all sinners. Okay? And if you deny that, then you're, you, you don't acknowledge truth. And then he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We sin probably on a daily basis. But there's something that he calls us to do to be made right with God. Someone called it spiritual breathing. When it says confess, it says, God, I agree with God. Yes, I've done wrong. And then we ask for forgiveness. And then God purifies us. So we confess. We agree with God that we have sinned. We ask for forgiveness. And then we appropriate his forgiveness. Someone called this process spiritual breathing. It's like breathing out carbon dioxide. If you keep the carbon dioxide in, you're not going to live very long. You have to get rid of that. And that's the confession. God, I've sinned. Here's the, here's the garbage. Here's the, what I've done. And then we breathe back in oxygen and we appropriate his forgiveness. So we breathe out, we confess, and we ask for forgiveness. And this is a process that happens daily, sometimes many times a day. Just like we breathe a lot every day, we may need to confess a lot every day. We confess, and then we ask for forgiveness, and we appropriate that. And if we don't confess sin, it will kill us spiritually, spiritually. Spiritual breathing keeps our relationship with God unhindered and open. So we have this this confession and appropriation, this spiritual breathing that happens constantly in our life. And he says, if you confess your sins, I will forgive them. I will forgive your sins. Now, it's not that we earn our right standing before God. We can't earn the right to be used of God. But when we confess and receive forgiveness, God attributes the righteousness of Jesus to us, and he sees us as sinlessly perfect. So then we can stand before God in this 
righteous state as a clean instrument, and God can use us. Does that make sense? Something that happens, and we're all in the same boat, just so you know. Do you have an impossible? Do you want to accomplish the impossible with God's strength? Establish and keep that right relationship with God. Thirdly, third key to the impossible is be open to the extraordinary. Be open to the extraordinary. Mary was open to the extraordinary. She, as a virgin, was going to conceive and have a baby. And I can imagine the questions in her mind, God, you're going to do what? What are people going to think? What will my fiancé think? My parents. It's never happened this way before. I'm sure she said, I'm sure I can come up with a better idea than this. This can't be right. And I don't think we can imagine the extent of how scandalous this was going to be. In fact, you go on in, in the book of John, John 8, it's, it's really clear. The Pharisees and the religious leaders and all the self-righteous people still questioned who Jesus' father was after he was grown. There was this scandal because they knew, everybody knew that Mary and Joseph were not married. And they questioned it. But God, in his sovereignty and power, was going to intervene in the normal, natural human process. God was going to do the unusual, the unorthodox. Mary was the human mother. God, supernatural father. Therefore, Jesus was called the son of God. By the way, this concept of God-man is non-negotiable if we're to believe in Christianity today. The Son of God. He was man and God. God becoming man. It's called the incarnation. The incarnation. And Mary was open to the extraordinary. Open. Does God do the extraordinary today? Did you, did you know that the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office, there's a patent office, the commissioner of the U.S. Patent Office proposed to Congress that the patent office be closed. His reason His reason was we should close the patent office because all the inventions have already been made. Everything's been invented that's going to be invented, so let's just close the patent office. You know what year that was? 1895. (laughs) Just a few things since then. We've seen just a few extraordinary inventions since then. Well, you know, God can do the impossible, the extraordinary, when we're open to God and open to the extraordinary. God is in the business of doing extraordinary things, of doing miraculous things, answering prayer. Some people look at our world and some believe in the Bible, but like the patent commissioners say, God has already done all the supernatural things he's going to do. There's nothing new left. God only did the impossible at creation or, or in the Old Testament or in the New Testament or in the book of Acts. God finished doing the impossible back then. No, he didn't. Some of you are familiar because you're on the the prayer chain. Roger Semler, one of our board members, uh, had emergency surgery last week and and contracted coronavirus. And we we were down in Tennessee keeping in touch, trying to figure out what's going on, how to pray, what was going on. Critical condition on on a respirator, not sure if he was going to make it. God's people prayed. Now, you, you can give all the credit to the hospital and doctors, and they do amazing things. 
But God's people started to pray. And now he may go home tomorrow, they think. Yeah, that's extraordinary. God is in the business of doing extraordinary things, and he wants to do it in you and through you. Are you open to the extraordinary? Now, even though Mary was open to the extraordinary, the impossible, she still asked honest questions. She still asked honest questions. Number four, key to the impossible, ask God honest questions. Mary's visited by an angel, told what's going to happen, and she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? You know, God doesn't mind when we ask honest questions. He doesn't mind. He's not insulted. Read the book of Job. Read, read Psalms. Read, there's a, there are a lot of parts of the Bible where honest people ask God hard questions, honest questions, and God didn't always answer them, especially the way they thought. But asking honest questions. God does not mind honest questions asked from our understanding. We say, God, according to my understanding, this is impossible. Good. <laughs> according to my understanding, this is impossible. It's impossible to stay in this marriage, or it's impossible to beat my depression. It's impossible to make it financially. It's impossible to have victory over pornography. It's impossible to understand my teenager or my parents. It's impossible for my spouse to find Jesus or my dad or my mom or my grandson. It's impossible for us to have a baby. Ask honest questions. Ask honest questions. According to my understanding, she said, how can this be? How can it be possible? God isn't the God of the impossible, and he has not changed. If it's not impossible, it's not for God. If we can do it ourselves, why would we need God? Ask honest questions. Ask how, why, when. And God may not answer immediately, but in the process of asking honest questions, we many times discover the answer. The answer. The fifth key to the impossible. Believe that God is to be trusted. Believe that God is to be trusted. This is the essence of faith. That we can trust God. Mary trusted God. She didn't understand. Sometimes we just don't understand. That's okay. But she said, may it be to me as you have said. Or, God, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Whatever you want to do is fine with me. She trusted God. Have you ever noticed how trusting a little child is? We hold them and they lean and fall over. They, they'll jump into our arms just by faith over space, just believing you'll catch them, right? Want to demonstrate? No, oh, that's okay. I, I've seen demonstrations. It's amazing. We give them medicine and they just trust you know what's best for them. They, just do, they trust even though they don't understand. Many times we have to have that same kind of childlike trust in God. That's why in Matthew 18.3, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Simple childlike trust. That's how we enter the kingdom of God. That's how we are born again. We become children of God. That same childlike faith and trust is how we are called to live. Trust in God. Trust that 
with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. God calls us to trust. And the sixth key to nothing is impossible, sixth key, is make yourself available to God. Make yourself available to God. Mary was available to God. And that was much more than, I have an opening in my schedule. No, she said, I am the Lord's servant. She basically said, God, I belong to you. I'm at your disposal. May it be to me as you have said. There's a deep cry in all of our hearts, in each and every one of us. It's a cry for significance. A cry for significance. To matter to God and to be used of God. We, we were created with that desire built in to be connected intimately with our creator God and find our significance in the relationship and service for him. Am I in charge here or was God? And I hope I'm not the only one that has this battle every single day. Nothing is impossible to God through a person that is willing and obedient totally committed to his purposes. Many never experience the supernatural power of God because they're unwilling to be obedient. We, they want to maintain control. There's something inside all of it. I just want to stay in control. And God will not violate our free will. He can do anything, but he will not violate our free will or make a decision for you. Someone said the most important ability is Availability. And God has taken the weak to confound the strong, the foolish to confound the wise. God has used some of the most unlikely people to do great things, impossible things, because they were available. They were available. Think about Rahab, a prostitute, Gideon, a coward, Esther, a Jewish girl, a beauty pageant winner, Matthew, a tax collector, Peter, a fisherman, Paul, the persecutor of Christians, and on and on. Go all throughout the Bible and look through history of people that God used incredibly. One thing we see by stores and places at the mall, not as much as we used to, but we see these, these kettles, red kettles and bell ringers, sponsored by the Salvation Army. Salvation Army has done more to feed the hungry, clothe, and help the poor than any organization worldwide, ever. The founder of the Salvation Army, General William Booth, was asked the secret of his success. And he said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all of me. He said, there have been men of greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities, but I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. All of me. Make yourself available to God. All of me for the impossible. Does God have all of you? Is there anything you're holding back? You don't have to tell me. Is there anything you're kind of holding back and saying, well, that's kind of my thing. That's kind of my territory. That's my first love. That's... Or does he have all all of you. Through this ordinary, good, open, honest, trusting, and available Jewish teenager came the person named Jesus. Jesus. 
He was called great, the son of God, king over an eternal kingdom that will last forever. And we today, where, where we sit, where we, where we hear this message, we're part of Mary's legacy, part of that kingdom that came through Mary. The impossible made possible. And by the way, if you're a teenager, 20-something, don't let anyone tell you you are too young, too inexperienced for God to do the impossible. Every revival in history has been birthed through young people. Teenagers, 20-somethings, somehow youth are just foolish enough to believe that God said what he meant and meant what he said. Nothing is impossible with God. Well, for all of us, no matter what we face in 2021, you may know, you may not know. There are a lot of challenges in in front of us. We need to believe strongly in the sovereignty and the power of God because with God, nothing is impossible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us such a, an incredible example of an ordinary young woman who gave what she had to you. And you did the impossible. And I pray, God, that you will inspire us and you will change us and you will challenge us in the same way. Because we know that no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what church we are, no matter where we are in our life, that you are ready and able to do the impossible. Because with you, nothing is impossible. Let's stand, shall we?